The man woke with a start. It was dark, and he could not tell where he was. He couldn't remember falling asleep. He couldn't remember anything. He sat up and looked around. There was nothing to be seen in the darkness, and the only sound was his own breathing, which seemed to become increasingly more rapid. Where am I? he wondered. Who am I? He laughed. Just a chuckle. It seemed an odd thing to realize he had forgotten something without knowing what he had forgotten. How could he have the wherewithal to question who he was if he was unable to remember the answer? How strange. His laughter carried into the darkness, as a voice might carry in an open field. The room he was in must be big. He was in a room, right? It was too dark to be the outside. Even at night there would be stars. But wait. There were stars. He could see them now. Again he laughed, this time just a humming in his nose. He knew what stars were, such a rudimentary thing, and yet he knew it. He just did not know how he knew. He didn't remember being taught, remembered no astronomy classes, and yet here was another word he knew somehow. And yet he remembered that those lights that shone in the night sky were called stars. There weren't enough of them, though. That was another thing he remembered. The night sky was supposed to be filled with stars, trillions upon trillions. Was he remembering the time he looked up at the sky, or was this just another thing he knew? There were not trillions of stars in this sky, only one, low on the horizon. There was something different about it, though. It wasn't really twinkling. That was the thing stars did, right? Was there a song about that? This star was glowing steadily, without twinkle or flicker. As he watched, it seemed to get bigger. Was it moving towards him? He got up to investigate and was surprised by a splashing sound. Was he standing in water? His hands weren't wet, even though he had used them to push himself up. Neither were his clothes. It was too dark to see what he was stepping in and why it was making that noise. The star, or light, or whatever it was, was definitely moving closer. He decided to help it out and walk towards it. It was glowing softly, but in this darkness even the smallest light cast a brilliant radiance, and he could see the ripples his feet left on the floor. It still wasn't water, though. Or at least it wasn't wet, and if he could remember anything, it was that water was supposed to be wet. As he approached, he saw that the star was not a star at all. It was an orb, shiny and metallic. It reflected the darkness so perfectly that it almost looked black when seen from the right angle. However, no matter which angle he looked at it, it never seemed to reflect him. Here was another mystery to add to this general amnesia. Who was he? Why was he here? How did he get here, and now what was this thing? A curiosity came over him, and he reverted to one of the basest of human traits, an ineffable desire to explore the unknown through tactile means. He decided to touch the thing. He expected it to be cold for how metallic it looked, but he never got to find out. As soon as he touched the orb, it disappeared, along with the rest of the world around him. No longer was he standing in an endless black expanse, but in a garden. That was really the only way to describe it. There were hedges dotted with flowers, trees bearing succulent fruit. The sky above had a golden hue, and the air was warm and inviting, and perfumed with the rich odor of flowers in bloom. He examined first the flowers, partly because they were the closest, and also because the scent in the air was so enchanting he had to find its source. It was not the flowers themselves, though they did add to it. They were deliciously sweet while simultaneously subtle, like a gentle caress from a lover. A movement on his left caught his eye. It was a bird that lighted on the hedge. A robin. At least he thought it was a robin. Why could he remember that? Hello, he said, not knowing why. Hello, the bird chirped back. 
The man jumped. Birds weren't supposed to talk, right? There was no way he was misremembering that. The bird laughed, or at least seemed to. It was chirping rapidly. Then it took to the skies. The man followed it. Hello, it chirped as it flew above him. Hello, hello. The man was looking up, watching the bird, so he did not see where he was going. Next thing he knew, he was tumbling head over heels down a hill. The grass was, thankfully, soft, and even though it took him a good two minutes to stop in a heap, he was unharmed. He spat out a mouthful of grass and looked up at the sound of laughter. This time it was not the chirping laughter of the bird, but the laughter of a man. Or was it a man? Lounging on the low branch of a nearby tree was a man, except he was not entirely a man. He had a set of horns that protruded from just above his eyebrows and curled about his face like a ram. His legs were equally caprine in that they were covered in hair and ended in hooves rather than feet. He was the one who was laughing. Now this, the man knew, was not normal. Forget what he may, he would have remembered if people had looked like goats. He knew for a fact that his own legs were not hairy and hoof-tipped, and he fought the urge to reach up and check his own face for horns. "'Tell me,' said the goat-man in a sing-songy voice, "'do you always follow little robins wherever they fly? You should take care to look down and not at the sky.' The man had no answer for that save a dumbfounded look. The goat-man laughed again. "'Twas I you chased o'er the dell, "'twas I that flew and you who fell.' He laughed once more, and this time it was not his laugh, but the same chirping birdsog that danced from his lips. "'Really, Robin, is this how you play?' came another voice. The man on the ground turned to see who had spoken, and his jaw dropped. It was a woman, though fairer than any he could remember seeing, if he could remember seeing. Her dark hair curled about her bright eyes, and from her shoulders sprouted. "'Were those wings?' "'You were sent to fetch him,' she went on. "'What have you to say?' The man with the horn sprang from the tree and landed deftly on the grass. "'What is fetching without some fun? I have him now. Is your lecture done?' "'To think that good fellow you are named,' said the woman, shaking her head. "'There's nothing good when you game.' "'But are games not good in what they are? And am I not good to play my part?' the horned man said with a smirk. He then turned to the man on the ground. "'Forgive me, sir, for have fun I must. But you are very lost, I trust.' "'I, well... "'Yes,' said the man, wondering if he should try to rhyme. "'Was that the normal way to talk?' "'Again, he could not remember. "'Fear not, for soon all shall be known,' said the woman. "'She came to him and helped him up, placing a strong hand under his arm. "'Sooner still, if you had come where you were called when it was meant. "'But never mind, much time is spent.' "'The goatman trotted over to them and placed a hand under his other arm. "'Enough of time in haste and hurry. "'There's much of all, no need to worry.' They each took an arm and led the man back up the hill. He saw the garden where he had arrived, and beyond that a grove of trees? They looked very tree-like indeed, in that they were wooden and leaf-dotted, but they did not grow in the shape of trees. They were intertwined into what almost looked like a mansion. "'Where are you taking me?' asked the man. "'Answers you will have in time,' said the winged woman. "'The duty is not his or mine.' "'We can say only this,' said the goat man, "'but you'll soon learn all. You've been chosen.' To watch the hall. Hall of Mirrors, Episode 7 A Midsummer's Council. What do you mean I can't go with you? Arwen asked. I mean exactly that. It's better if I do this alone. Better for who? For whom? Strider corrected her. Don't you dare, said Arwen. Stick to the subject. It's better for everyone. And why is that? Strider closed his eyes and took a deep breath. The people I need to see, the ones who made the hall, 
They aren't the best. They're dangerous. More than you know. They're clever. Conniving. They speak in riddles and deal in dreams, and by the time you learn that it's a nightmare, it will already be too late. I just need to tell them what we saw, that he's escaped. They can deal with it from there. It'll take a minute and then I'll be back. Who is it that's escaped? Strider took too long to respond. Arwen could tell a witty retort was coming, so she jumped on it. You can't condemn them for speaking in riddles if you're going to do the same. I don't know, okay? He looked up as an orb hovered by his shoulder. Just a minute, he said to it. I'm coming. He turned back to Arwen. When I first became Watcher of the Hall, they told me to beware. They told me that poem I told you, and that it was my duty to watch out for the ticking time that comes for all. That's it. And did you? Did I what? Watch out for him. Because it seems to me, this is not my fault, Strider said. For one, it was a long time ago. A very long time. Long enough for me to forget the stupid riddle. And then there's the fact that it was a stupid riddle. Ticking time that comes for all? That sounds like old age to me. How was I supposed to know that it was an actual entity locked away on a backwards world where light is dark and dark is light and protected by an invisible blind monster that sees through a beating heart on its neck? It was still after that. Strider was breathing heavily and Arwen was studying him. The only other sound was the rhythmic thump-thump from the nearby cage. Strider looked at it. At least the monster hasn't escaped. I'm sorry, Arwen began. Don't, said Strider. No, said Arwen. Just listen. I'm sorry. I don't understand, she gestured to the hall at large. Any of this. Riddles and secrets. Monsters and the hall of mirrors. I'm just here to help you. And whatever these people said or did to you, whatever reason you don't trust them, I'm not here to question that. But if they really are as bad as all that, isn't that just more of a reason for me to come along? I want to help you. Strider looked at her, his frustration fading ever so slightly as he considered her. No, he said. I'm sorry, but I'm doing this alone. He walked over and grabbed the cage, the orb floating lazily behind him. Strider, Arwen said. I'll be back in a jiffy, he said, flashing a smile. He reached out and touched the orb. Arwen stared at the place where he had been, but only for a moment. Yeah, not gonna happen. She walked forward and touched the orb before it could float away. She arrived in a wooded glen. It was that perfect time of day, the early throes of evening when the setting sun cast its rays in a brilliant gold. This bathed the whole of the glen in a magical light, a magic that was only enhanced by the pleasant floral aroma. Strider, however, was nowhere to be found. Arwen couldn't be far from him. She had imagined him as she stepped through the portal, and usually the hall was pretty good about setting her down right where she wanted to go. She started off through the forest, but paused at the sound of giggling. There was nothing for it but to investigate. As she made her way between the trees, the giggling mixed with another sound. Music. It was like a flute, though somehow prettier. She could not explain it. It was not that the notes were a different pitch, but something about the way they danced on the air sounded more pure, more perfect. She pushed through the bushes and gasped at what she saw. It was a spring, bubbling and bright, and all around it were people. Some were swimming in the inviting waters that looked almost like honey in this light. Others were dancing on the shore. The source of the music was indeed a flute, but a wooden flute, played by a man sitting on a rock at the water's edge. It was not the perfection of his playing that so entranced her, though. It was the horns on his head. Looking around, she saw that all of these people were different. Some had horns on their heads and legs like a goat, others had wings. 
An image from one of her mother's old fantasy books came to mind, and Arun wasn't sure if she should laugh out of surprise or curse that her mother's obsessions had followed her into reality. She was looking at fairies. And they were looking at her. One of them saw her and whistled to get the attention of the others. Everyone stopped. The splashing in the spring died down, and the last notes of the flute faded into the air as they all turned to look at this newcomer. Um, hi, Arwen said. The one nearest her, a woman with fiery red hair and bright blue wings, smiled. Well, well, what have we here? A mortal come through the mirror? The mirror? Arwen asked. Of course, she realized. Strider said these were the ones who made the hall. Yes, indeed, said another. She is touched by the hall. Though no watcher is she, that's plain to all. I'm the watcher's friend, said Arwen. Have you seen him? She was rather proud of herself for how well she was handling this. Did she say friend? Does she not know that he who watches must watch alone? She did say friend, and she is right here. Thank you very much, said Arwen. Or will you only speak to me if I speak in rhymes? Because I really don't have the time. That was met with a chorus of uproarious laughter from the gathered fairies. Oh, how quick of wit this mortal is. Surely she is a friend of his. The fairy with the red hair approached her. Forgive us, miss, our little fun, but rarely here do others come. Right, said Arwen. Not a problem. Your friend the Watcher passed this way, straight to the king with much to say. Can you take me to him? The fairy looked at the others. She seemed concerned. She turned back to Arwen and shook her head. The king is not one to be seen. If not summoned, you have been. Jealous is the good king's name, and to mock his rule would be your shame. Arwen frowned. And there's nothing you can do. The fairy just shook her head. At that moment, there was an eruption of excitement at the spring. One of the fairies, who had been sitting in the shadows, let out a squeal that sounded like a mixture of excitement and shock. There was a splash as she leapt from the pool. "'Robin, must you play us so?' she shouted at no one in particular. "'Surely you have somewhere else to go.' The only response was a laugh, followed by a popping sound. Arwen turned just in time to see a flock of doves flying towards her. She ducked out of the way just in time and watched as the birds took to the skies. Then there was another pop, and the birds turned into flowers that rained down on the gathered crowd. This was met by a mix of boos and cheers. The red-haired fairy nearest Arwen called out, "'Fellow, if you be truly good, show yourself. Remove your hood. We have with us an honored guest. Now is not the time for jest.' "'A jest is best when timeliest,' came an echoing voice from the air, "'and every jest must best the rest. Ow!' The red-haired fairy reached out and grabbed at the air. Suddenly there was a man before her who she was grabbing harshly by the ear. His horns curled about his face like a ram. "'When I say the play comes to an end, you must listen and attend,' she said harshly to the horned man who was wriggling in her grasp. "'I know you came not just for games. You've a message, so speak it plain. I pray you let go my ear, and the message you all shall hear.' The fairy thrust the man to the ground where he tumbled and rolled and finally landed spread-eagled in the soft grass. He pushed himself up and rubbed the side of his head. "'Speak now the message that you bear, and then be off, or else beware,' said the red-haired fairy. "'Yes, yes, the king has sent me hence, you know, to say it's time for her to go,' he pointed at Arwen. "'Me,' she said. "'King Oberon sent not for you,' said the ram-torn messenger. "'So to have you here will not do. His home is sacred to us all, and you must leave unless he calls.' "'Is that right?' said Arwen. Well, you can tell your fairy king that if he wants me to leave, he can tell me himself, supposing you can find a way to say it with a rhyme. I came here looking for my friend, and I won't leave until I see him. 
The fairy looked at her, a little astonished, and then smirked. It is not all who can speak thus. Perhaps it's good you're here with us. The king commends the bravest men. Perhaps he'll see you here again. But not today. You must away. I'm really sorry you cannot stay. Well, here's the problem, Arwen said. I kind of hopped out of the hall without a way to get back in, so I actually can't leave even if I wanted to. Now, which way is the king? All the fairies just looked at one another. Fine, said Arwen. I'll find him myself. How hard can it be? She turned and left the glade. The fairies called after her, but none really made an attempt to stop her. The messenger did follow her, though. I know, I know, I'm supposed to leave. Sorry to disappoint. He just shrugged. What you do is of no import to me. Arwen paused, waiting for more. What, he said, waiting for the rest of the couplet. Well, yeah, kind of, said Arwen. He laughed. It's social decorum. The royalty requests we speak like that, but there's no spell forcing us to do it. How awful would that be? It already seems pretty awful, Arwen said. He laughed again. You're not wrong, my mortal friend. Tell me, what might I call you? I'm Arwen, and you are? I've been called many things in many tales. What's with you people and your many names? The messenger smirked. A name is a powerful thing when it's the right one. It shows the world who we are and the things we've done, as well as the things we've yet to do. But so you don't have to choose, I shall give you the one most common to me. Goodfellow I am called. Robin Goodfellow, for the joy I bring many a man by playing tricks on all at hand. He bowed with a flourish, and Arwen gave him a look. Sorry. Force of habit. So you need help finding the palace? Wait, really? Robin just shrugged. I'm only a messenger. If Oberon wanted you thrown out of here, he sent the wrong fairy. Arwen stopped. Something Strider had said came to her. They are clever, conniving, they speak in riddles. She was in no mood to be tricked by a fairy. What's in it for you? she asked. A good laugh? I'm a jester, what do you expect? I won't lie to you, the king will be very cross indeed, but between you and me, that just makes it funnier. Arwen thought on it. Strider was going to be mad too, but as far as she was concerned, it served him right. Leaving her alone in the hall like that? With access to this world, no less, he couldn't really be surprised. How far is it to the palace? Right this way, Robin said. He gestured in front of him. Arwen took a step forward. Whoops, she heard behind her. She felt something catch her foot as she was shoved in the back. She didn't even have time to cry out as she fell forward. She reached out to catch herself but felt only air. The grass before her was gone and she somersaulted through nothingness before landing hard on her back. Ugh, she groaned. Her hands touched the ground beneath her. It was hard. What is the meaning of this? came a voice. It was cool and collected, though undoubtedly commanding. This was the voice that defined the phrase, calm before the storm. Arwen pushed herself up to take stock of her surroundings. She was in a chamber, surrounded by more men and women with horns and wings. Arwen? Arwen looked up. Strider was standing in the center of the room. What are you doing? he hissed. I... Before she could finish, a piercing laughter filled the room, echoing from all corners. Arwen searched for its source, but she could not find it. The entire chamber was surrounded by a round table, but none of the fairies seated at it were laughing. Her gaze fell on the one seated at what ought to be the head of the table, were it not a circle. His seat was raised above all the others, and the horns on his head were not horns at all, but sprawling antlers. He did not look pleased. Suddenly, on the table in front of him, appeared Robin Goodfellow. He was rolling on his back, cackling. 
Puck, said the king. It was a voice that could move a mountain. The laughing fairy stopped immediately and sat upright. O king of mine, I've done as you bid. I brought the wench from whence she hid. What did you just call me? said Arwen. She would have lunged at the little bastard if the king had not stopped her with a glance. You've done well. Be gone. Over hill and over dale thy bidding I shall do. Night or day, whichever way, thy servant I'll be true. With that, Robin Goodfellow vanished into the air. Arwen turned now to the king, who was staring stoically at her. What the hell were you thinking? Strider whispered to her. Silence, Oberon said, and Strider obeyed immediately. What is your name? Arwen, she said. Her voice seemed so small and insignificant in the vastness of the room and under his gaze. He nodded. You are the Watcher's servant. Arwen balked. Servant? Oh no, not even close. I'm... You are meant to watch alone, Ogron said, ignoring Arwen and turning to Strider. We told you as much. Right, and as I recall, I told you I didn't really care, Strider said. Did the Hall choose me, or did you? Morgan, send the unwanted one home, Ogron said. She is no longer needed. As you wish, said a dark-haired fairy. Wait, Arwen began. I... But before she knew it, the room was gone. She thought at first she was back in the hall, but that was just the darkness. She could feel stone beneath her feet, and after a moment, her eyes had adjusted to the darkness. She was in a dungeon. Hey, she called, what the hell? The only response was her echoing voice. She felt around in the dim light until she found what she was sure was a door. She knocked on it and yelled again. Still no answer. Then, thump thump. Orin whirled around. She knew exactly what that sound was. Thump, thump. There was nothing there. Not that she could see, and it was so dark in here that she ought to be able to make out the creature from the backwards world. Thump, thump. Arwen closed her eyes and listened, and her own heart began to slow as she realized where the sound was coming from. The creature was being held in another cell nearby. She let out a sigh of relief. That wasn't a danger, but she was still stuck in a cell in Fairyland. Fairyland of all places. She would have laughed at the absurdity of it if it wasn't so serious. Pissed him off, did you? Arwen spun around. Robin was leaning casually with his back against the wall. It seemed weird to see him leaning like that. He looked so human, so nonchalant, as if he didn't have the legs of a goat or horns on his head. You, said Arwen. She lunged at him, but he was gone. Oh, come on, he said from behind her. She turned around, and there he was by the other wall. You have to admit, that was hilarious. Oh, what part? Me landing on my ass or me being sent to prison? Um, both? What do you want? Arwen said. Same thing I always want, to have some fun. We'll go do it somewhere else. What if I told you I had a way out of here? I'd say you're full of it, said Arwen. Robin feigned offense. Are you calling me a liar? Do you deny it? Wholeheartedly and absolutely, he said. I told you I'd bring you to the palace, didn't I? Arwen said nothing. He just smirked. I'd like to make a deal with you. No, said Arwen. Oh, come on. I said no. Now get out of here. Robin frowned. You're no fun at all, he said. Maybe I'll see if the guy next door wants out. I bet he could stir up all sorts of trouble. With that, he vanished. Arwen sank to the ground in frustration. What had she gotten herself into? Not only was she trapped in a dungeon, but she was also in a place where Strider might not be able to save her. If the fairies had made the hall, could they take it away from him? What would they do if he continued to defy them? What would they do to her? Don't lose your head now, 
she said to herself. There's got to be a way out of this. Think. Her mother had been obsessed with this stuff, with fantasy in general, but Arwen had heard fairies thrown in with the wizards and the rings. How many of the stories were true? Was there something in there she could use? Robin was easy. Puck, Oberon had called him, and Oberon himself. Arwen knew all those names, knew the story they were from, but how could that help her? Maybe Titania's pissed at him. Can I use that as leverage? How long she sat in the dungeon, listening to the menacing thump of her neighbor, she could not tell. But eventually she was released. It was unceremonious and almost confusing. As she sat, thinking of a way out, the door just opened. She looked at it for a moment, a little confused and more than a little wary. Did I do that? She wondered. This was a strange place after all. She approached the open door with caution and learned that she, in fact, did not have supernatural powers. There was a fairy standing outside. She was tall and graceful, with dark hair and green wings. She was the same one that sent Arwen here. Hello, Arwen, Morgan said with a smile. Hi, said Arwen. She did not move closer to the door. You needn't be afraid. I'm not like that impish puck. Oh, no. You're much better. He dropped me on my ass in front of all of you. You just sent me to a dungeon. For safekeeping, I assure you. Safekeeping? Oberon wanted me to send you home. I preferred to keep you here, with us. Gee, thanks. Morgan sighed. Come, she said. This is not the place. May we talk elsewhere? She held out a hand. Arwen looked at it, but still did not move. I understand why you do not trust me. I'm asking you only to trust a little, and then only for a little while. I would like to speak with you before you are off. Would that be all right? Arwen looked around her. All right, fine but only because anywhere has to be better than here. She reached out and took Morgan's hand, and suddenly they weren't standing in the dungeon, but in a garden. The same golden twilight that had greeted Arwen upon her arrival dappled the flowers. Will you walk with me? Morgan asked. Arwen just nodded. They walked a while in silence, and then Morgan spoke. Why are you here? she asked. I wanted to find Strider. Strider? The Watcher. Did you give him that name? I... Kind of? It's a long story. I see. And why did you want to find him? I thought he might need my help. Morgan stopped and looked at Arwen there, as if trying to see if she were telling the truth. She seemed satisfied and resumed her walking. I see. Did he? Well, I don't know. You threw me in a dungeon, remember? Morgan smirked slightly. Yes. Well, you could honestly bring him little help here. You have no power in our world. But has he needed help? Arwen thought about the adventures they had been on ever since the Watcher came to her world. She felt she had rescued him a couple of times, though he had done the same for her. Yes, she said. I think he has. I think so, too. Though I believe you can do more, said Morgan. What has he told you? Little and less. Morgan stopped to admire Flower. She bent down to smell it, and a smile danced across her lips. Watchers are like that, she went on. Unpredictable. The hall will pick who it picks. We have little to say in the matter. Didn't you build it? Strider said you made the hall. I mean, not you specifically, but you. She gestured to the land about them. My people, you mean? Morgan asked. Arwen nodded. That is a simple question with a complicated answer. The hall was not built, not as you understand it, nor as even we who grow our homes from the forest understand the word. The hall was made with us, and in a way by us, but also it came of its own accord. 
that is to say, it was our technologies and our powers that shaped the hall, but would have lived either way. Lived, Arwen said. As I said, it's a complicated question, but back to my previous inquiry. You have helped the Watcher more than you know, and I would ask you to help him further. What do you mean? Arwen asked. The hall came out of necessity, said Morgan. It was made because we needed it. And I mean we, all of us, every last living thing on this world and the others. There's a threat to life as we know it. The Watcher of the Hall does not just watch over the Hall, but over the threat as well. Ticking time that comes for all, Arwen muttered, but Morgan still heard her. He told you then. He didn't tell me much, only the poem. He said he thought it was made up. Everything is made up, but that doesn't make it any less real. And the threat we face is real indeed. Somebody escaped from that prison. Yes, and we need the Watcher to find him. So why are you talking to me? Morgan looked at Arwen and smiled. Sit with me, will you? They had come to a bench. It was, as she had said of their buildings, grown. It was one seamless piece of wood that seemed to be rooted in the ground. Arwen obliged. Strider, as you call him, is strong-willed. That is good for a watcher. He is clever, too. Another admirable quality. When he first came here, we told him our riddles and sang him our songs, as we always do, and at first he seemed receptive. But then something happened. He began very quickly to lose interest, not just in our music, but in our plight as well. Nonsense, he called it. He accused us of brainwashing him, and to be fair, he had a firm argument to stand upon. The hall is unforgiving when it chooses a watcher. It took his memories, Arwen said. It took his memories, said Morgan. Arwen thought back to their time on Eden and how appalled she had been by Lilith's actions. Naturally, Morgan went on, he blamed us. There is much about the hall that is beyond comprehension, so the mind makes up answers where there are none it can see. We did not take his memories, but as we were the closest and easiest to blame, he no longer trusts us. And again, that is an admirable quality, for my folk are fickle and deceptive. She turned to Arwen and smiled, though this time it had a sadness to it. I hope that my telling you this may serve as a symbol of my sincerity. I know we are hard to trust, so I'm coming to you from that place. So what do you want me to do? Arwen asked. Help him, Morgan said. Remind him of his purpose, and teach him to follow it. If he will not listen to us, perhaps he will listen to you. Arwen was silent for a while as she thought on this. It was a lot. Prophecies and fairies, riddles and tricks. On the one hand, there was Strider, who had withheld much, but still she trusted him, and he had warned her not to trust these people. On top of that was the loss of his memory when chosen by the Hall. Then there was Puck, or Robin, or whoever he was called. Tricky as they come, and a perfect example of why the fairies could not be trusted. Then here was Morgan, kind, ignoring the fact that she placed Arwen in a dungeon, and honest, or seemingly so. She had answered some of Arwen's questions. Where did the hall come from, for one, and how did Strider come to be the Watcher? She had filled in many blank spaces, and now she was asking for help. And isn't that what Arwen did? She helped. Okay, she said. I'll do it, or I'll do my best. I will talk to him. Morgan smiled. That's all I can ask of you. Thank you. She stood up from the bench and then held out her hand. Come, she said. I imagine you would like to see your friend. I would like that very much, said Arwen. 
She reached out and touched Morgan's hand, and all at once she was no longer in the garden, but in a warmly lit room with wooden walls and floors. Arwen! She turned, and there he was. Strider, she said, going to him and wrapping him in a hug. You idiot, he said, hugging her back. You idiot, why did you come? What, and leave you to your own devices, Arwen said? No way that could go wrong. I told you it would be fine, said Strider, stepping away. I just had to warn them and then be off. Seemed like more than just warning them, Arwen said. Strider nodded. Well, naturally, they wanted to give me a lecture, too. They've been trying to reach me for ages. The orb that keeps bugging you. That's the one. Why don't you answer them? Strider frowned. He looked at her, then shook his head. You want to understand. Try me. No, I mean, it's impossible to explain. It has nothing to do with knowledge, it's experience. When I first came here and learned that they had taken my memories, the hall took them. The hall that they helped make, he said. Don't you see? They want me to be their tool. I wasn't about to do that. But you were willing to take their toy. I didn't have much choice. The hall chose me. You keep saying that. Because that's what happened, he said. The hall picked me to watch it, so now that's what I do. Whatever the Fae are doing is their own business. Their war. What war? Strider studied her a moment. Who have you been talking to? He asked. Morgan, Arwen said. Why? And what did she tell you? She told me what the hall is for and why you were chosen and that you have to defend defend the multiverse from some great unspoken evil. Yes? Yes, said Arwen. Strider laughed. I thought you were more practical than that. Excuse me? You didn't strike me as someone to believe in fairy tales. Well, it's kind of hard when one is staring you in the face, said Arwen. Strider shook his head. No, tricky creatures and magic halls are one thing, but the battle for good and evil? No. They didn't lock someone up because they were destined to destroy the universe. They locked him up because he was on the wrong side of the war. He was their prisoner, a war criminal, nothing more. And you don't think a war criminal is worth stopping? It's not my war. Arwen just stared at him. Her mouth was open, but no words came out. She just shook her head and turned to go. Arwen, don't, she said. Don't call me that if all I've ever been to you is a detective. I thought you were lonely. Yes, I wanted to help you find your killer, but I also wanted to help you. A traveler traveling alone for so long? I wondered what that could do to somebody. Well, now I see what it's done to you. I thought maybe you were just different because you were from another world, or maybe the hall had just gotten to you. But traveling with you has shown me one thing. There are assholes in every universe, and you're one of them. With that, she left. She wasn't sure where she was going. The door she stepped through led to a winding hallway that slowly spiraled downwards, and at the base was another door that led outside. She realized she had been inside a tree. She set out across the grass. Even now, the sun was still hanging just above the horizon, creating the same warm glow as when she had arrived. Did no time pass here? She looked out over the horizon. She was up high, for a valley of trees spread out before her, a sea of green and gold, which she watched as she thought. How did you get yourself here, she mused. Fairies and monsters, wars and poems. It all started with a murder. A murder that still remained unsolved. That thought had been gnawing at the back of her mind, though given the circumstances, it was easy to put aside when she was running from a werewolf or riding a dinosaur. She wondered if the murder would ever be solved. Arwen turned around and started running back to the tree as a realization hit her. It seemed so obvious. How had she not seen it? How had he not seen it? Strider, she called out as she opened the door. 
She was only halfway up the winding hall when she ran into him. Strider, she said, gasping for breath. Detective, he said, looking down at the ground. Arwen, I'm sorry, I... Shut up, said Arwen. He looked up at her, hurt. I mean, just listen, she said. There's time for that in a minute. The one who escaped from that prison, we need to go after him. I don't want to get involved. Forget about their war, and don't interrupt me. Just think for a minute. Do you know who this person is? Strider shook his head. But he knows the fairies, and it's possible he knows about the hall. Strider nodded. And if he knows about the hall, might he know that there's a watcher? Well, obviously, but I don't... Strider, someone has been killing you. All of you. Every version of you. Why do you think they might want to be doing that? They want to get to you. They want to stop you because you are the watcher. Who would want to do that? Strider's eyes widened as he realized what she was saying. Great evil or no, this guy hates the fairies. And if he wants to stop them, I'd bet anything he'd try to use the hall to do it, she said. Your killer and their prisoner. They're the same person, Strider said. Exactly, said Arwen. Strider reached into his pocket and pulled out his mirror. That's brilliant. I don't know why I didn't think of it before. I should have... He stopped, and his face changed from excitement to something more sorrowful. Arwen, he said. I'm sorry. You're right. About a lot of things, but especially about me. I... You have to understand, I don't have anything. No memories. No family. Nothing. My quest for my killer may have blinded me a bit. I, I had a singular focus because that quest was all I had. That and the hall. Arwen reached out and grabbed the hand that held the mirror. Well, now you have me. Thank you everyone for tuning in to this week's episode. Stay tuned for a sneak peek at next week's adventure. Hall of Mirrors is written and produced by Sam Schultz, with the main theme composed and performed by him as well. Each week brings you a new adventure of Arwen and Strider as they journey through the multiverse, protecting it from various threats from within and beyond. New episodes air every Friday at 1pm on anchor.fm slash hallofmirrors. We are also available on every major podcasting service. Links can also be found on my Facebook, Tumblr, and Twitter page. For a text version of each episode, check out the Tumblr blog. Please like and follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're a fan of the show, please share it with your friends. There's a link to everything in the description. Thank you again, and I'll see you next week. Next time on Hull of Mirrors. Ghosts busted. Arwen and Strider hatch a plan to catch his killer, but unfortunately it's going to take some time, and all they can do is wait. In the meantime, they decide to engage in some spooky festivities, but it isn't long before they realize that the frights are real, and so is the danger.